No, you, if you need to expel gas, if you need to outgas Ron, it is perfectly okay with us. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Pre-Accident Podcast. I am your host, Todd Conklin. How are you? It's good to have you back. Have you been missing me? Has it been sad? Are you sad? Are you sad? Are you sad? Are you sad? Or not that sad, probably, I wouldn't think. Ah, man. I cannot believe the year she is drawing to an eye, uh, whatever that means. Oh, okay. Before we go any further, uh, I have to do a correction. Thanks, Cliff Berry. And I know better. This is really crazy. So I cited a poem to Robert Frost, and it was actually Dylan Thomas. And I know better. I mean, I think that might have been some kind of weird um, Freudian slip. Not that I have a love affair with Robert Frost, although you could, I think. He's a great poet. But uh, it's sad that I missed the I missed the site for Dylan Thomas. So when I talked about do not go gentle into that good night, that, that quote, which is a, a poem that I've been thinking a lot about uh, recently, uh, I don't know why I made it a Robert Frost because I was thinking two roads diverge, you know, uh, and I took the one less traveled, that kind of thing. But uh, anyway, Cliff, thanks for catching that for me. Let it be said that I'll correct it. I love being wrong because being wrong is more interesting than being right. Because being right, we wouldn't have this conversation. We wouldn't have it at all. So um, what if I, what if I got to share? There's so much stuff going on. It's just nuts. Um, so last night I went and saw David Sedaris and – if you've not read much of David Sedaris, he's an essayist for The New Yorker, but he's got a bunch of books that he's written, and, and he's on This American Life, and he's, he's been around a long time. He's really funny. It was a great night. We had a blast. It was very interesting, though, because, and I'm probably talking about this because I just did the Dylan Thomas quote, he's really dealing with aging. And so he had an essay last night on a, uh, it's kind of a gross topic, but um, he had an essay on what people call things internationally when a bad driver does something in front of you, uh, what, what, what they call out, what, what, what the phrase is. And uh, it was very um, – it was pretty – a lot of – I laughed so much I cried. So if you haven't ever heard of David Sedaris and you can handle a little language, he's not afraid to use a little language, uh, it is a very, very fun read. His his uh, audio stuff is great. Look him up. It's 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 worth the time. And if you get a chance to see him in person, it's always great because he does four or five essay readings, just verbatim readings, stand at a podium reads. It sounds boring, but it's not. And then he'll uh, he'll usually do some. Uh, he he's kept a diary for almost forty years, so he he does clips from his diary, and then he takes questions from the audience. And um, it was really it was a it was a great evening. And it's kind of fun to think about things that aren't necessarily work things. Uh, the whole idea of having other interests is really a powerful idea, which you're probably thinking of um, if uh, if this lays out correctly like the way it will uh, around this notion of mindfulness that we talked about the last time we got together and talked. So that should be uh, kind of an interesting part of the podcast as well. Um, other than that, it's uh, December, my favorite month. You know that because everyone looks busy, but nobody really is. I kind of like that part of December, and uh, there's lots of uh, joyous things to eat, um, and that's uh, super good as well. That's that's really a, a nice part of how that all works out and how things happen, and um, that sort of leads us into today's podcast. So today's podcast is a 
is very interesting. It's um, I, I got to meet somebody new, somebody I don't know very much about. He's a big friend of the pod. He listens to podcasts all the time. And uh, he was telling stories about his career and um, how he got to where he got to and what he did and what he's doing. And it became really obvious really quickly that he would be a perfect person on the pod. I mean, perfect person on the podcast. He's, he's someone that we should have talked to a long time ago, partially because he ran safety for um, the nine 11 stuff in the United States. So when we went into uh, the, the pile, as they called it and the recovery of that pile, I, I hadn't even thought about this, but in fact, the safety on the pile became kind of a, a an important part of that process. And it's so interesting to hear him talk about what he did. And, uh, and I, I dig into it as deeply as I can. We're in the back of a car, um, driving back from, uh, a special delivery, uh, you know, kind of an airport back to the hotel kind of thing. And we sat in the back of the car and I, and I just interviewed him. It's a really good podcast. One of the things that I think is, uh, is really valuable in this. And it's probably something you should listen for as, as Ray talks about what he's going to talk about is the notion of emergent safety uh, of a job of a project in, in this case that really had no procedures. There, there was no process because there really can't be a process because something like this had never happened before and how really what they did when they removed the pile is actually it was uh, it was much more about body recovery um and and doing that in a solemn and honorific way than it was about moving construction debris although a big part of it was about moving construction debris and and Ray talks about that he talks about what that was like and how um that was really a sort of a career highlight for him and really for everybody else that did it and and it's interesting. It's it's very interesting. He told the story, of course, after we shut the microphone off, um, because that's how it works. I try to capture everything, but as soon as you shut the mic off, brilliant ideas. He tells a story about watching some firefighters ride in a man lift on a construction crane, six of them, and how he just had gotten to the point where he thought, you know, that's just too risky. And he, he basically stormed across the job site to – to call a stop work. And when he got there, he realized that they were construction, they were firefighters on a construction site, uh, removing one of their fellow firefighters. And he realized at that moment that the rules that we normally follow were not the rules that could be followed on this site. And I think you'll find this to be really a, a remarkable conversation. It'd be surprising if you don't, it's certainly interesting. And I think it has lots to teach us. And that's why we do the podcast every week, dog, dag, nabbit. That's that's the point. And it's good, and it's got some lighter moments to it. It's it's funny. It's a very serious topic, but it's not a very serious podcast, which is something that Ray brings to the table that I think you'll find very interesting. This gentleman is named Ray Master, and Ray's worked in safety his entire career. He's a degreed safety professional like so many of you that listen to the podcast, but he was one that was thrust into a job that was sort of beyond description and certainly beyond proceduralization. And it was a job where everything they did was completely emergent and they sort of met risk as it came to them. We know risk is dynamic. This is a great example of managing dynamic risk in a large scale operation 
that makes a huge difference to how things go. So that's kind of what the podcast is going to be about. It's um, it's good one. You're going to like it mucho. I promise you that. Other than that, man, I'm doing well. Um, I'd complain, but I don't know what to kind of, I don't really even have anything to complain about. I, I haven't even had any near misses at the airport. I mean, it's just been, it's things have been just kind of clicking along like they're supposed to. And I, I hope the same for you. That's really important. It's important right now for us to remember in our world that there are two words that I think need to, we, we can't say enough times to each other. One is the notion of courage and the other is the notion of hope. And I think for us to move our industries in a new direction, in a new way of thinking, we have to have sort of an equal amount of courage and an equal amount of hope. And I think that's what this podcast will bring to you today. So I'll talk no more, even though I could talk a lot more, but I'll talk no more and I'll just jump right into uh, to Ray's podcast. Here, without any further ado, on the Pre-Accident Podcast is a friend of the pod and a good guy and now a friend of you. This is uh, Ray Master. Safety first. So, so um, Ray, start by giving us sort of an introduction and background, and we'll sort of take it from there. Okay. Uh, Ray Master. Uh, been in construction safety for about 27 years. Uh, graduated with a BS in safety science. Uh, worked in a number of large engineering construction firms for for a while, uh, ended up in New York City uh, in the high-rise construction industry for about 10 years, went overseas a couple times, working in different sort of types of industries, all construction, uh, a bit of oil and gas, and uh, and then have ended up back in New York uh, now as a consultant, working for an insurance brokerage. So the first time you put Donald Trump into fall protection, what was it like? Just walk us through it. Uh, I'm just not going to answer that question. <laughs> I'm not interested in that one. So, so why construction safety? Uh, why construction safety? Well, my first job out of college was with a uh, engineering firm in their construction group, and uh, I never got out. Uh, I just stayed in it, uh, and uh, you know, it's been quite quite interesting. Uh, Construction is a pretty interesting industry. Oh, absolutely. So the crossover between sort of the new safety and traditional safety, it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like there's any place on earth more interesting than construction safety for that transition. Talk to us about that transition because really that that would be super interesting. Well, uh, for me, uh, the construction industry seems like a place that is still grappling with trying to get their head around traditional construction safety or con- traditional safety. So uh, one might be able to short-circuit. You know, there's a number of things to learn, but maybe you don't really need to learn them. Check out this new stuff, and it might just get you where you want to go a little bit faster. That's actually a really interesting way to think about that. Maybe a better question I should ask you is, what was your journey from traditional safety kind of to, to this new safety stuff? Uh, I worked... Uh, probably for half of my career in just very traditional safety and then sort of shifted from systems and process and rules and compliance into more culture, leadership, you know, what it takes for organizations to sort of get their head around safety as a value uh, and end up giving up a lot of the 
sort of nuts and bolts traditional safety stuff to focus on that uh, and that started sort of yielding some results as far as I could see well so does that mean the nuts and bolts stuff isn't important help help me understand I mean I heard what you said but help me understand what that means uh, I would say a lot of focus on traditional and or nuts and bolts safety uh-huh. and one could always do that do more of it do it better do it differently maybe uh, and it'll only get you some so far unless something else happens and the, the something else uh, in my experience was uh, getting people's head around the value the, the leadership aspect of it the cultural aspect of it uh, as a means to, to improving performance so there's a reason that I'm dying to have you on the podcast and the reason is is talk to me about what I would consider maybe one of the best examples of kind of new safety and its approach because your your positioning post 9-11 really puts you in a place where I think you have a fascinating story and take time and tell it. Got it. Well, uh, my company at the time uh, happened to be uh, at City Hall on 9-11 having conversations with uh, one of the city agencies that uh, manages construction. And literally, you know, everyone ran in that direction. Uh, and, and some of the uh, senior folks there at my, at my old firm uh, kind of went with, went with the gang, so to speak, to take a look and see what was needed. And what was desperately needed was a lot of construction equipment, a lot of skilled labor, uh, to support the fire department and what for them was uh, you know off the chart uh, insurmountable. How are we gonna? How are we? Where do we even begin to to unravel this thing? And uh, I actually was out of the country at the time, uh, and when I got back, having seen on the news that uh, you know my company was uh, managing a portion of the work, whether at least the construction side of it. Uh, you know, like everyone else, I'm like, oh, I got to be down there. And my boss told me I couldn't go. Uh, you know, we had 40 other projects that needed to be uh, uh, manned, and, uh, you know, they had what they needed down there. And then, uh, you know, a couple of days later, he said, hey, one of the guys wants to go on vacation. Could you fill in for him for two days? And I went down to do that, and uh, they asked me to stay. Uh, and ended up staying for 10 months. And what was interesting about the about the project, uh, you know, first of all, off the chart, as far as my career is concerned, uh, uh, I've never seen anything like it and never will. Uh, the fact that it was a, it was a large scale operation and, and particularly uh, a lot of construction expertise needed and, you know, construction projects have contracts, they have drawings, they have scopes of work, they have insurance. They have a plan. Uh, there was none of that. It literally had to be invented on the fly. And the amount of sort of uh, ingenuity and just raw willingness to contribute created this environment of, of you know, natural, natural team kind of spirit uh, that people were just stepping up into different versions of themselves. And I had I had that experience myself. Uh, strip strip it all, strip everything away. Uh, the hierarchy, the 
the traditional things that are in place and, and all you have is your contribution. And, uh, you know, I started out as uh, running the sh safety show, so to speak, for my company uh, and then eventually uh, being responsible for construction safety uh, on the entire site. Not because, you know, my resume was put up as the guy. It was just in my speaking and my, in, in who I was being at the time. Uh, people were, we got to listen to that guy. And it was the first time in my career that, you know, meetings didn't start until I showed up. Like, they waited for the safety guy. And uh, I was just, wow, you know, this is, this is what I need to be doing. Uh, it, it's all coming together, so to speak. And there were a number of people that were having that same experience, uh, unlikely uh, candidates to be leaders became them because, you know, what was in front of us pulled us forth, if you will. So that emergent quality of, of like, your role or other leaders' role, what, what was it like? I mean, you keep, there, there aren't procedures for this kind of work. What what you do? Uh, yeah, we very meticulously uh, uh, discovered what need what was needed, and it was only what was needed that was necessary no layers of fluff or layers of procedural whatever uh, very basic raw send some engineers in to take a look they sketch some things up on a napkin they bring it back quick plans get made somewhat of a strategy uh, started coming together uh, the project was about uh, moving debris to facilitate uh, the search for human remains which is what the fire department focused on. You know, we we facilitated facilitated that for them, at the same time removing removing debris uh, and the debris, uh, which lasted about ten months uh, until the whole place was uh, essentially clean. What was it like? I mean, just just I can't even imagine. Um, very vividly remember just feeling like alive real-time chaotic uh you know a huge sense of urgency to contribute get things done uh the more generous you could be the 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 better it felt uh and and everyone having that same experience at the same time and not needing to talk about why we were here but all having that same sort of unspoken sense of purpose that really drove you know contribution, innovation, uh, how are we going to get this done, uh, pride, taking care of each other, taking care of the city, if you will. Uh, you know, I don't often have the chance to leave a job site and have people uh, cheering when I leave, but I mean, it, it felt good. What'd you learn? What's, what's the takeaway? What have you learned from that horrific, intense, emergent experience that you use now in your normal kind of boring work? planned routine I mean the, a, a normal job site what did you take away from there well I do remember when it when was over and then going back to what was normal there was certainly something that felt missing a void if you will uh, and then sort of thinking about learning about and trying to understand what the experience was about uh, I put a lot of value around the context of a situation that you're in or when you can create a strong context uh, for work it tends to it tends to raise up the sort of level of contribution and performance if you will 
Uh, does that make sense? Yeah. How did people stay safe? Uh, it was very, very, uh, I would say, uh, left up to people to figure out, if you will. Uh, and folks watched out for each other, took care of each other. Uh, yeah, it's hard to describe how it all happened. Uh, it was, it was just a really raw experience. Uh, hey, we're going to something we don't know. So let's just figure this out and gather as much information as we need and then move forward sort of carefully. So what do you do now? What, what, what's your, what's your current gig? I am a consultant, a uh, safety consultant, and I work inside of an insurance brokerage uh, that services the construction industry. And I, I designed my uh, consulting practice around uh, almost exactly like that experience. How do you create the right amount of context for projects or teams uh, so that it gives them a sort of, a, you know, something to sort of... Uh, something a bit bigger than themselves if you will uh you know we're, we're we're building a building but you know we're also you know contributing to a community and we got to take care of this community while we're in it uh and and using that as sort of a motivator if you will uh around getting things done uh but i i i, I also blend in uh a lot of the technical stuff of safety and, and give it a little bit more meaning when it's inside of a certain context, if you will, and help people sort of uh, uh, step into, you know, when is, it, when is it time to be a leader? Uh, when is it time to manage? Yeah. Stuff like that. What do you see as the future? What, what's next? For me or for... Uh, oh, both. Yeah, both. That's a good question. Uh, I am trying to uh, blend in as much of the new view uh, type of uh, stuff as I can. I, I see. I think that that is the way to go. Uh, how'd you come? How'd, how'd you get introduced to the new view stuff? I went to a conference and heard this guy speaking, and I was really impressed with how he was framing uh, some basic concepts like human error and whatnot. And I said, "Hey, where'd you learn all that stuff?" And uh, he's like, "You got to read this book, uh, Field Guide to Understanding Human yeah, Error." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, "Oh, okay. I'll check that out." And I read it, and I was like, oh, my God, this guy, Sidney Decker, is articulating exactly what I have not been able to my, you know, my whole career up to this point. Uh, wow, he's really nailed it. And, uh, you know, I was, I was kind of sold on it from then and just started, you know, researching and exploring and trying to learn as much as I could about, you know, what is this thing that's happening? And end up working for a company that was doing some work in the oil and gas world post uh, Deepwater Horizon where there was seemed to be like a, a vibrant conversation around hey we're getting good at safety but we keep blowing things up what's that all about and uh, we happened to go on a learning journey at the company to sort of help them figure that out so uh, yeah I've never stopped sort of reading and learning about it and uh, I mean it really uh, it's really made a huge difference in uh, you know how I see the world uh particularly the world of safety and uh, seems to have some promise uh, you know, we can get to that next level uh, if we just looked at this thing a little bit differently broke down some of the traditional ways we think about things that's pretty encouraging 
So ultimately, final question, if you could give a piece of advice to a young startup person in the safety world, what would it be based upon your experience? I bet you have lots to say. Wow. Uh, I remember getting out of college, fresh out of safety school, if you will, and, uh, you know, thinking I had all the answers, <laughs> you know, and, and if they would just listen to me, uh, everything would be fine. Uh, there is a bit of uh, uh, understanding what you're in before you start trying to fix it uh, that is required. So listening, learning, asking questions, uh, and particularly try to understand what, what is the point of the organization that you're working for. Uh, and, and their point is not to uh, be a safety company. It's to build something. It's to whatever there is they're doing, unless, of course, you are working for a safety company. Uh, but get behind that mission and uh, help them be successful at it and using you know, what you know about safety to help them be successful rather than, you know, get defeated by, man, this doesn't look like I thought it would or how, it, how I think it should. Oh, man, big thanks to Ray. What would you think? Isn't that interesting? I told you you'd like it. I, the whole idea, this hopefulness that these guys have, especially after a significant event like that. And I mean, that just, that changed his life clearly. And it sort of brings us back around to the power really not of, of knowing or not knowing, but really the power of learning and restoring. And that restoration question, it just the entire time we we're having this conversation that was rolling through my brain is that ultimately the question we have to ask is, you know, who's hurt, who's going to get hurt next um, what do we need to do to make that better? And who's in charge of that? Those three questions are really simple, but they're really powerful. And it's a huge part of how we think about and how we do the work we do. And that, my friends, is um, that. That's about as good as it gets. Next year is promising to be killer interesting. I think we're going to have a great time. Uh, there's no question about it. Tell your friends uh, to listen to the podcast. I think it's one of the great ways to sort of sneak people in. And I'm sure getting a lot of feedback from people who are sending episodes around and having their management team listening to them. And that's great. The whole goal is to build community and to reinforce and give each other sort of encouragement to stay on this journey. Cause it's easy to get off this journey. Uh, I know that I just went through a whole series of, really pretty significant investigations. And there was a lot of push to go back to the old way. That was very attractive to them, but we didn't, we stayed strong. We stayed the course and we ended up coming out of there knowing lots more about the event and lots more about the work we do. So that is, uh, that is today. Be, uh, be brave, man. Be as brave as you possibly can be. I hope you get what you need. Have as much fun as you possibly can learn something new every single day. And for goodness sakes, you guys, be safe.